First reading comes from Acts in the New Testament and on the Pew Bibles it's on page 762 and on the large print Bibles it's page 1704. So page 762 on the Pew Bibles is Acts chapter 8 commencing at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaka, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb of his He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written in the Bible. I suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, as you came in, you should have been offered at least uh, an outline of the talk. So if you've got... in a second, but... Um, sorry, just going to... All righty. They're keen to hear from the Bible, and each week they, they, they throw themselves into the activities, that, and it's a, it's a danger when we come into church of uh, always having the right answer, having the right pat answer. And usually in church, there's a couple of answers that, you know, if the minister asks you a question, it's going to be one of these. So... Um, it's either God, the answer is either God, Jesus, or the Bible. Um, it could be um, pray more, read the Bible more, or tell your friends about it. That's, that's pretty much always the answer. Um, now, of course, there's a real danger with us this morning because you'll know that we're in the middle of a answers to put away um, the, um, the correct answers. And I actually want to, um, that we're on this mission together. It's not a mission that we go on on our own, but that we are in this together. And last week we saw a really encouraging passage that we saw from Acts chapter 4, which reminded us about something else about the mission. Can you remember what it was? You've all blotted out of your mind because it was so negative. Um, that suffering is to be expected. You may, may remember that the disciples experienced suffering right from the very beginning. In fact, it got worse and worse. So much so, if you go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1, look at what happens. This is just after Stephen has been killed, stoned to death. Why would you want to kill Stephen? I don't know. Um, but in Acts chapter 1, it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in, church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, which is a complete disaster because... You'll be aware that you know, God's given us each other 
given us the church and they were meeting together in each other's homes. There's that beautiful picture of them all gathering together and encouraging each other, praying together and all those kinds of things. They're all together, but now they're being scattered. They're running like sheep to all different corners of the, of the, of the country. They're running all over the place. They're no longer together. They're separated from one another, which is a complete disaster, right? Because they're being persecuted. They're being chased. It's got to be the end, surely? Have a look down at a couple of verses in verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so far from being a disaster, this persecution was actually a tool that God used to spread the gospel. Remember the mission was to take to be God's witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and now we hear that they're scattering to Judea and Samaria. They haven't quite got to the ends of the earth yet, but we'll get there. Um, God is sending them out. And as they go, far from hiding in little corners, they're taking the gospel message with them. So actually, it's actually been a great blessing for them. It's actually been a great blessing for the mission that God has seen them out. So, Acts chapter 8, <clears throat> as we see them being scattered, we're introduced to one of the characters, a guy by the name of Philip. Um, and Philip uh, is initially sent up to Samaria. So Samaria, it's some area close to Jerusalem. There's Jerusalem. Samaria is up here, okay? There's Caesarea, there's Samaria itself, and there's the region. So uh, for those of you who are geographically um, illiterate, which direction is that from Jerusalem? It is north, thank you very much. So um, Samaria is north of Jerusalem. Um, and Philip goes up there, and if you read through the first half of Acts chapter 8, things go really quite swimmingly. Um, people see, Philip's doing miracles, and people are paying close attention to what he says. Um, there's great joy in the city in verse 8. Um, people are believing, uh, verse 12. They believe Philip as he proclaimed the good news, kingdom of God, and the, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized by men. It sounds fantastic. The mission's going really, really well. God's giving Philip a great job to do up in Samaria. But then we're told at the beginning of today's passage that God sends him somewhere else. In verse 26, God sends him um, to the road that goes from Jerusalem down to Ethiopia. Ethiopia is down here somewhere. Right? This is Egypt there, so there's Africa. It goes right down into the room downstairs. Um, and so he's, he's on the way from Jerusalem going down this way to in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. God's taken him from this really thriving ministry to a desert, to a desert road. Why on earth would God do that? Seems odd. But Philip goes, God sends him and Philip goes. Um, and when he goes there, we find out... Uh, pretty quickly why he's sent there because as he's going down the road he comes across uh well somebody comes across him um going in a chariot from jerusalem down to ethiopia uh it's a court official from the ethiopian court and he's reading god tells philip to go over close to the chariot and he hears him reading now you you and i when we read it sounds like this which is not very Exciting <laughs> and probably a bit hard to read. But of course, in the this reading quietly is actually a, a fairly recent kind of uh, phenomenon. Back in the first century, when people read, not many people could read, but those who could mostly would read out loud. 
And so as the eunuch is, is, tra- is traveling along, he's reading from a scroll. Perhaps he bought it from the souvenir shop um, at the temple when he was there. Um, it's a scroll from the Bible, uh, and he's reading it. And as he reads it, Philip recognizes it. It's a pretty well-known passage. Um, and so he, he plucks up the courage, and he knocks on the chariot kind of door, if they have a door, uh, and says, excuse me, do you understand what you're reading? Um, the man who's there um, is reading. He says, well, how can I possibly understand what, what's, what I'm reading when no one explains it to me? Maybe he thought just by reading it, he's going to get some kind of blessing. It would get in by osmosis or something. Um, but Philip says, look, would you like me to explain it to you? And the guy says, well, that sounds fantastic. That's great. I haven't had anyone to explain it to me. Why don't you? That's great. So Philip jumps up on the chariot with him. And as they travel along, Philip starts from that passage, which is from where? From Isaiah. Does anyone know where in Isaiah? Jill's giving me the signals. Chapter 53. Isaiah 53, uh, which for those fans of Colin Buchanan is the one where we all like sheep have gone astray. Uh, each of us has turned his own way, bar, bar, do, bar, bar, etc. So um, that passage, he starts from that passage of Scripture, from Isaiah 53, which talks about Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he, and he says, well, from that point, he takes him towards Jesus and he talks, tells him what Jesus has done, tells him the great story of the gospel. Now, obviously, God has been working in this guy's heart already. The fact that he's gone to Jerusalem to worship anyway is quite amazing. Uh, but God has been working in his heart, and so he hears about Jesus, and it all just clicks. And so he's just so enthusiastic, so excited about it all. He's just kind of looking around. He says, look, there's a, there's a pond over there. Can you, let's, can you baptize me? And so Philip says, well, why not? Strike while the iron's hot. So he takes him over, dunks him in the, in the pond or the river, whatever it was, and uh, baptizes him. He's now a follower of Jesus, now part of Jesus' family. We're told that uh, Philip is then taken by the Holy Spirit. We don't know if, it kind of, if he just disappeared or, or whether he's just got the idea, right, I've, got, I've now got to go. So he said, see you later. Um, see you in heaven, perhaps. Um, and so Philip then, then disappears and he actually goes back up north again. He go, actually goes to the, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and starts working his way up the coast, we're told, towards Caesarea. God has brought him down here for this one man. Which is pretty amazing, don't you think? Obviously, God's got a real, uh, uh, a real plan for this guy. This guy's about to go back to the Ethiopian court. We don't know what happens to him, but you can just imagine him going back. Uh, he's heard the story about Jesus. He's heard about the salvation that can come to all people. You can, you can hardly imagine him keeping it in, can you? You can imagine going back and, and sharing it with the people back in Ethiopia. Whereas Philip goes back to the kind of area where he was. It's a great story, isn't it? It's an awesome story um, of God being at work. Wouldn't it be great if, if witnessing for Jesus was that easy? That you could just rock up one day, God would just zap you in front of someone who's basically just ready to go, and all you could do is just quickly tell them the gospel and they, and they, they believe, and then you can just go on and do something else. Um, amazing. Um, but of course, as we read through Acts, there's, there are great stories in there. But what we're doing as we look through this series is we're looking at each of these stories, trying to see what can we learn for our mission. Because remember that Philip's mission is the same as ours. So Philip has been sent uh, to tell people about Jesus, and we've been sent to tell people about Jesus. So what can we learn from this little story uh, that will help us? Well, usually uh, in Anglican sermons, you've got to have three things, uh, but I can, I can only find two. Well, there's probably more, but... Um, 
I've got two things for you to remember and to take away from today. So if you can remember two things, here we are. The first one is this. Notice how Philip is prepared to go wherever and to whomever God wants, leads him. And the first question I want us to ask ourselves is, are we ready to go where God asks? Are you ready to go where God has asked you to, asked you to go? Now, it may be to go somewhere literal. Uh, so um, one of the, uh, some of you will remember from years uh, past a missionary that we supported called the Padgets. Do you remember them? Um, anyway, for people who have been in our church for a long time, um, there are a couple who went to mission in Nepal uh, and then came back. Well, they're now retiring um, and they've decided to go back to mission. So they decided to go back to Nepal. And so they will come um, before they leave to just share with us so that we might pray for them. Um, but they, they, they're describing it as a, as a refiring rather than a retiring, which I thought was an interesting way of describing it. Um, God is sending them to go. They feel that God has sent them to go back to Nepal to do his work there. In a couple of weeks' time, Lauren and I will be going to Zambia. A couple of weeks after that, because uh, I don't like us, Gary and uh, Bruce and Margaret will be going to Zambia as well. They'll literally be going somewhere to share God's word. Um, now, you may be sent to go somewhere. Or you may be sent to go to someone. During the week in our growth group, one of the members of our growth group was talking about um, a member of their family they hadn't spoken to for quite some time. Um, they, hadn't even, they hadn't heard from them. They hadn't talked to them for, for ages. But during the week, um, God just kept, it seemed like God was putting this person into their mind over and over again. Um, so they, they actually ended up praying for them, ringing them and calling them and talking to them. Um, sometimes God might work in us in that way and kind of, uh, prompt us to go to someone. But there's, there's, a, there's a problem I think a lot of us have as Christians, uh, particularly if, you go, if you've been at church for a long time. Uh, and it's the, it's the problem that many of us think, well, I'm not really sure. When Steve's talking about this mission, we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. But actually, I don't think, basically everybody I know knows Jesus. You know, most people I know who are, are Christians. And so do I really know anyone who's not a Christian? Who is it that God's sending me to? Well, I want you just to ponder for a moment. Put yourself uh, in my shoes. Here I am. I'm still on the phone from Christmas. Um, and I want you to ponder, to think about your life for a moment. I want you to think about your family. It might be your uh, immediate family or it might be an extended family. Um, is there anyone in your family that you know who doesn't know Jesus, who's not a Christian at this point? Could it be that God wants you to go to them? Could it be that God's sending you to speak to them? Or perhaps uh, those of you who are at work, think about your workplace. Is there anyone that you talk to at work? Unless you're kind of um, working in the South Pole like Barry used to do um, with, on your own or whatever. Then that's, most of us have people to work, that we work with. Are they Christian people? Is there anyone at your workplace who doesn't know about Jesus? Is it possible that Jesus is sending you to them? Or consider your social group. Some of you are, are part of sporting teams or um, bowls clubs or bridge clubs or probus or whatever it might be. Are you in a, some kind of social group? Um, maybe you're a powerlifting group. I don't know what, may, what it might be. Uh, you go to the gym perhaps. Um, are you in a social group? Think about that social group, the people that you know there. Is there anyone there that doesn't know Jesus? Is it possible that God might be sending you to them? Or think about uh, your neighbours. Most of us 
um, have neighbours. In fact, all of us have neighbours, whether you're down in Linfield Garden Village, whether you're living in a flat, whether you're living in a freestanding house. We've all got neighbours. Um, some of us know our neighbours really well and have, have talked with them years and have street parties. Others uh, don't even know. You might wave them as they go past in the street. Could it be that God is sending you to one of them? Could it be that God is willing to send you to one of your neighbours? Or could it be, uh, if you have kids or if you have grandchildren, could it be that God is sending you to the parents of your kids' friends? Perhaps you've got relationships. You, you talk with them at the, at the top gate or perhaps you um, have... Uh, you might even have them over for, for, for drinks on a Friday night or whatever it might be. Are any of your kids' friends or your grandkids' friends, do they know Jesus? Could it be that God is sending you to them? Or finally, uh, this is the experience I had the other day, do you have old schoolmates or current schoolmates um, that, uh, that don't know Jesus? Maybe they're people that you went to school with uh, 20, 30, 40, 80 years ago that you maybe keep, still keep in touch with. Are there any of those that perhaps God might be sending you to? So the first question we, should, we need to ask ourselves, I think, as a result of this story is, are we prepared to go where God wants to send us, wherever it might be, or to whomever God might send us? The second, uh, the second question we need to ask ourselves is, again, another pro- fallacy or something, a problem that people have as Christians when we think about mission. Now, some people have expressed to me, put it this way, that um, you know, when it comes to the whole idea of mission evangelism, that's not what I'm, I'm good at. And so what I try to do is just to live a good life. And so I try and be the best person I can be um, so that when people see, look at my life, they go, well, obviously uh, they're a Christian, and so therefore I need to become a Christian because they are. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with actually living a good and godly life. In fact, we should do that. In fact, a couple of weeks' time, we will be looking at how important that is as part of the mission. But people will not become Christians because they see a, a Christian who's a nice person. You see, the gospel message is a, is a message. And the message of the gospel is found in God's word. Um, in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's the gospel that changes people. It's not nice, friendly Christians. Nice, friendly Christians are great. Don't get me wrong. It's great to be a nice, friendly Christian. But for someone to become a Christian, they need to hear the good news. They need to hear the gospel. And the gospel is found, of course, in the scriptures. And so in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. How do you hear about How do you hear about the gospel? Where is the gospel to be found? Where is the news, the message that people need to respond to? It's in God's word. Which is, of course, what Philip found. As he talked with the Ethiopian, um, he shared with him from the scriptures. He started from Isaiah 53 and he worked his way towards Jesus. And throughout the book of Acts, you see the disciples doing that. Now, sometimes they start from where the world is. And we'll get to that um, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but they will always bring back to the message of the gospel that you find in the scriptures. Uh, because it's in the scriptures that you, people are able to be saved. Um, as Philip shared with the Ethiopian eunuch, he pointed him to Jesus in the scriptures. You see, it's in the Bible that people will hear about grace and faith. It's in the Bible that people will hear about sin and, and forgiveness. It's in the Bible that people will hear about salvation and about grace and about hope and about judgment. 
It's in the Bible that people will meet Jesus. And so I, I think sometimes as Christians we, we perhaps feel a little ashamed about the Bible. That it's, you know, it's written a long, long time ago into a very different culture and we think it's, it's an outdated book that we sh- you know, our culture's moved beyond and so we don't want to share it because it's, it can be offensive to some people, some parts of it. And so we get a bit ashamed of it. But it's important for us as we think about the whole idea of mission to realise that actually the, the, the Bible holds the power of salvation in it. It's not in us. We don't save people. God saves people. God is the one who, who changes people's lives and draws them to himself. Now, how do you, the question is, how do you do that? How do you bring the Bible to people? There's, there's a number of different ways you can do that, but I just want to share one particular way. David and I, um, a couple of Saturdays ago, went to a training uh, course for this course, um, the Word one-to-one. And uh, we were both really impressed by it. We thought it would be a really helpful resource for us. Um, and basically what this is, it's a, it's a course that you do one-to-one. So it's called the Word one-to-one. It's about reading the Word, uh, the Word of God. So it's actually about reading the Gospel of John because in, in the Gospel of John we're introduced to Jesus who is the Word of God. And so it's introducing the Word of God to people one-to-one. Now, you may think, and some Christians think, well, I'm not, uh, I haven't had a theological degree. I'm not a professional like Steve or like Billy Graham or Franklin Graham or, or whatever. I'm not a professional like them. I can't do this. I can't do this mission. It's too hard for me. I'll lead it to the, the, you know, the people who are gifted in that. One of the great things about this course is it actually shows that actually all of us can do this. If you can read, if you can turn pages, then you can do this. All, we, all you need to do is to sit down with someone who is willing to read through the scriptures and to read it with them. So the, what, what the, way it, the way it works is it gives you... Um, uh, this is just one, there's about 20 of these that take you through the Gospel of John. And so it gives you uh, the scriptures so you don't have this big whack and big Bible you have to kind of put out in the desk. You, you say, well, we both have this little booklet together. You read through, they read through um, the Word of God there, that, that little passage of scripture, and... Then basically, to explain what's going on there, all the, all the information's there. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. All you need to do is be able to read, well, this is what's happening here. And the conversation opens up from there. This program's being used throughout the world and having amazing effects. Um, and so I want to encourage you this week um, on, on Wednesday, during the day and in the evening, uh, we've got somebody coming to, do, to run a training course for us. Um, Often people say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to share the gospel with people. I don't know how to share my faith. Well, this is one way that we think will be really helpful for you, uh, for all of us. The staff are going to be trying to do this as well, so we're thinking about people that we can do. And this is why it's so important that these two points that we've learned today come together. One is to be looking for and praying for people that God would bring in front of us that he's sending us to. And secondly, that we might be prepared to bring God's word. We've got a great mission. It's God's mission that he's sending us on. He is the one who will work in people's lives. And he's given us the tools that we need. He's given us his scripture. He's given us each other. And he's given us his word. So let's use the the tools that God's given us and see his spirit at work in the lives of people we meet. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your word. We, pr- we thank you because it is the, the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunities 
to share your word with others. Father, we know that, um, that your heart's desire is to see people saved, and that's what we want too, Lord. So we pray that you would bring people across our paths who are ready and open to hear your word. Father, we thank you that your spirit is, is already at work in the people around us, our family, our neighbours, our workmates, our friends, the people in our social clubs, uh, the, the parents of our, of our kids. Lord, we thank you that you're already at work. And so, Father, please lead us to those people that you have called so that they might hear your word and respond. Father, we pray this um, so that your kingdom might be extended uh, and that your name will be honoured in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. What a word. Um, so challenging and encouraging.